are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Well, g'day everybody. G'day, Matthew Crummins. Welcome to the episode number eight, I believe, of Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. G'day to you, young Matthew. It still feels like episode like two. <laughs> it's because we, we sort of pro, we, we, we broadcast them like slightly out of sync with our lives. And so every time you're like, oh, it's episode eight. I'm like, really? I thought we were just on today. I, I got no idea what's going on in my life. I think it's about as amateurish as episode two. But uh, anyway, look, let's not change that. But um, it has been pretty wild, hasn't it? We're still in lockdown. Uh, but spring has sprung. The sun is shining. The the blossom tree outside my house is just looking magnificent. I might even pull the camera out and uh, fire off a few frames. But in the meantime, young Matthew, I know we talked about this the other day, but it's worth uh, going over again. You and Nick Fletcher, God bless his cotton socks, ran the most magnificent online photography festival on the weekend how about you tell everybody about it for those who perhaps don't know well i mean to start off with it was all us and no one else helped and (laughs) um we really made it and i would probably Uh like to thank me myself i and i guess a bit of nick um no uh (laughs) no it's funny because everyone's been saying oh my god you guys did this amazing festival and don't get me wrong like we put a, a an absolute ton of work into getting this thing done but what was actually super cool i think um the feedback was I think people really felt like our instructor group, like that there's a whole kind of community in there and no one felt as though they were watching sort of 24 individual instructors. I think everyone kind of felt like they were watching a team of people working together to make a lot of fun and entertainment and education for people. And I think that was like really cool because that, that, the feedback was very strong in that area. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. look, it was, it was a great event and well done to you guys for pulling that off because um, – I know a lot of it was up in the air well beforehand because of uh, COVID and not knowing whether we could get up to Bright, which is, for those who don't know this part of the world, it's about three and a half hours northeast of Melbourne in the beautiful Victorian high country, Um, a beautiful spot to go, particularly this time of year. You can get any sort of weather like we had last year. We had some tremendous thunderstorms, but also too, you can get some stunning still days with... uh, warm temperatures and uh, it is a beautiful place to be hence probably why you chose it to host the world's greatest photography festival if only and, uh, calculated i think it was more that, <laughs> i think it was more that nick lost a bet and then had to um had to, to you're, ruining, you're ruining my story you're ruining my story <laughs> i had everybody going along then matt <laughs> you ruined it but, uh no uh and yet and yet we couldn't go and we were all stuck at home staring at our computer screens but the vibe, I don't know how you did it, but the vibe from what usually is a physical workshop or festival translated extremely well to the online festival. So I think um, it's, I think it, was I, I reckon if you hadn't run the festival for like three years beforehand, people might not have kind of gotten it. But I, I, the, the amount of people who were there who've been before, who kind of keep the fun year round in that sort of group and stuff, you know, I think that it, um, Everyone sort of went into it hoping it would be what it was. And I think that that, you know, have you seen that? What was it? Um, is it Star Wish thinking? It's like, the, <laughs> you know, like if you, if you think about it hard enough, it'll be. And I think everyone kind of wanted to have such a good time so badly. It just kind of eventuated, which was awesome. Super awesome. I'll tell you about it. Um, the, the, fest, the feedback 
must have been incredible for you to uh, to sift through, and you're probably still going through all the emails because online the social pages were just stacked full of people. Oh, I don't know. Praise. I never open emails event. after the festival because they're usually <laughs> they're usually people getting angry at me. So I just leave those for another couple of months until I recover, and then I'll open those emails. I would have thought you'd just press Control All and then delete. Oh, I no, have, <laughs> he doesn't do that, everybody. No, I have. I've tried that before, but then immediately realised that there was a bunch of important information there. So, but yeah, no. Have you heard of people doing that? As in, you know, just as a side topic, just totally have deleting. You read, everything. Yeah, yeah. Have you read all those? Um, those blog posts that say, you know, if I'm overwhelmed with work and you really need to, you know, reset and catch up with yourself, just go into your email inbox and just delete everything and start again. I kind of feel like that's like the, that's like COVID deniers. It's just like if you just pretend it doesn't exist, it's not going to happen. I feel like that, that's a really bad way to go about things. I don't know. I can't help but feel that's going to end in tears, you know. What is your What is your way of just to go off on a completely different tangent because this interests me as well. How do you hack that whole email thing? How do you go about it when you've got a thousand emails in your inbox and you don't know where to start? Have you got a strategy that works for you? I don't know. I'd call it a strategy, but I, I, I'm alive and I get through it. <laughs> <laughs> Just plow through it. Yeah. I have one. I have one to help you along the way. Go for it. And whether this helps you or anybody else, who knows? I actually um, try and unsubscribe to as many different things as possible that I seem to have got my email onto. Um, don't don't mention how they get on there, but um, then I sort the emails from who they're from. Ooh. And so that way I can sort of group things together and I can go, right, yep, I don't need to read any of those because that's spam or that's, <laughs> that's Matt, stuff that I, I no longer <laughs> subscribe to. And then other stuff like, oh, yeah, that person's important. Yeah, better flag that one and or reply to that one now, et cetera, et cetera. And I could find that I can plow through that Easier than going through, say, chronological order. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, I get confused when I do that because what I end up doing, and I hate it in email um, things, is you can't click on an email and preview it without it being open, and then you got to right click and unread it. And so I right. find that, like, my strategy, which is not a strategy at all, because that makes it sound clever, um, I just wake up super early some mornings, like crazy early, and I sit in front of the computer with a coffee. And yep. anything that's not relevant, I delete. And I sort of do that whole like eat the frog thing, like just get plow yes. through emails. And I can do, right. you know, on an average, I reckon I probably get about 150 emails a day. Yep. And I reckon I read or like respond to probably half of them. But I just respond right. with really quick. I probably sound like the rudest person on the planet on email because I just respond with like the words that are needed to convey whatever it was. I, I really don't get into details. Or my standard yep. response is, this is too complicated for an email, call me. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm, I don't understand people who can write, you know, paragraphs in an email. I just, I, I'm like you. I just don't have the time to bash out a, a long explanation or reply to the email. So I'm usually one, two, three lines. And if it requires any more, I'm the same. I will pick up the phone and speak to that person or send them a a voicemail or something like that because I just don't have the time to sit there and type. You know, I've got one that, so the, this is not something I use, but my brother-in-law uses this. Um, he doesn't send text messages anymore. He sends voice what? memos to people. Yes, I love that. I love that functionality on Facebook Messenger, for example. I use it all the time. Really? See, I, I like, find it nah, weird. This is going to take, oh, I think, I figure it's the same as, same as trying to type out an email. It's a pain in the ass. So what you do is you just record a little voicemail that might be one minute's worth. And that way, uh, you know, that'd take you three or four or five minutes to write. 
So therefore, it's just a lot easier to send that voicemail. Oh, so I did. Yeah, I'm with him on that one. I do the dictation thing, like I'll dictate to my phone and then not correct the grammar. But <laughs> <laughs> but like if so, I had, if I had to do a voice memo, I, then people would know how I feel about that message that I'm sending them, and quite often that's not the way oh. that I'm talking is not the message I'm trying to convey. Like, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, I've got you. I've got you. Mm. I'm actually. So you said you probably get 150 emails a day, of which you reply to half. How many minutes or hours do you reckon you spend on average per day on on email? I reckon I do about, or must be two and a half to three hours. I reckon. Wow. Yeah, but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily just like going through what happened in the morning. I always say this to Laura, so she's like, "So what's on today?" Because obviously, working from home, you're just like, "Who knows?" And I I always start with saying, "Today's actually a really quiet day at the moment." Because <laughs> like, like now, exactly now, but that could well change with a few annoying emails from Nick Fletcher saying, yep. "Matt, can you deal with this? I can't be asked." More often than not, by like I wake up pretty early, I get up, I like I'm pretty chilled out, and then by the time it hits about eight thirty, nine o'clock, and other people are getting to their desk, that's when I can start to gauge my day. And sometimes I get really confident. And I'm like, "This is gonna be a really good day," and it gets like two p.m. and then it comes in, like the email just right. starts, and it's like it's only three or four conversations that start, but. You know, it just keeps going, and you're like, "Come on!" Yeah, yeah. And I, have you? Um, I don't like leaving don't, things. I just don't, I hate no. leaving them undone. Yeah, I've got to yes. get it done because tomorrow's got more challenges ahead. So, like, let's not, you know, postpone today's crap to tomorrow because it's just going to be double the amount of work. I'm hot and cold on email in a sense that um, I can neglect it for a while. I'm talking about a few days, but I generally check it every day, once in the morning and then once in the afternoon. Really? Wow. And then occasionally I say, right, I'm going to have to sit down and um, and and just go through these again just in case I've missed anything that was time important. I'm which so is, jealous. Which is not often. And then I've also now, I'm trying to wean my um, friends, family, whatever, off email altogether by I've put an autoresponder on saying, hey, look, um, you know, I don't check email very often. So if you'd like to get in contact with me, probably best to send me a Facebook message. Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I and, hate Facebook messages. Right. You see, I find that a lot more easier to communicate with people that way. It's go. a shorter shorter form of messaging and therefore I find that works better for me. See, I'm, yeah. I, I get the whole how am I going to follow up what we just – like it's, if it's just for casual conversation, I'm like, cool, whatever – but I, I can't produce a to-do list on my Facebook Messenger, whereas I can unread an email. I've got a cool email client that lets me snooze emails. So let's right. say that something comes through today and I'm like, look, that doesn't need to be addressed today. That's like a next week problem. Yep. Instead of opening it or leaving it in your inbox, I can hit the snooze until next week button and it will quite literally just send the email to me again next week. Wow, that's so it good. just disappears out of the inbox and then will, it will reappear whenever I've told it to snooze into it, which is kind of cool. That's cool. What about these um, programs like uh, Slack and and others that are used in big corporations that where they don't physically send emails to each other, they they use that that software? I, I don't understand it. I've never looked into how it works. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, I'm sure it works really well for a lot of people. It does not work in my world. I got invited to a Slack right. conversation um, for a a business that I do some sort of, I guess, consulting work with. And yep. um, the problem is, is that it's just all too easy to kind of update literally every tiny little thing that happens in there. And I get notifications. I open it and I'm like, oh, that was something I was tagged in because I'm part of that general part of the project, but nothing to do with something I need to respond to. It's almost like being CC'd in on absolutely yes. freaking everything. But because people are right. working on it 24 hours a day, especially if you yep. work across different you know geographies, um, you end up just waking up to like, you know, 20 or 30 
messengers or, or notifications yeah. from the same things. So I don't know. I'm sure like I, I use, I use a, a form of that. I use AOR and um, I've, I don't collaborate with people on it though. I only use it myself and I think that's a pretty cool tool. Is that the one you showed me? The, the, yeah. Yeah. The one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. Works yeah, well he's for me. But, yep. um, but then again, oh. I'm pretty lazy with this stuff as well. I use post-it notes. I've got about, I've got a little pink post-it notepad that I um, have got post-it notes all like sprawled across my office. And um, what I've started doing just to make myself feel a little bit more accomplished is I've got a jar on my desk. And when I finish what I'm doing with that post-it note, I scrunch up and put it in the jar so I can see how much crap I've done. <laughs> well, that's good. That's it's motivating. motivating. It's motivating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a whole right. jar of confetti now. So, yeah. <laughs> you could have, you could have a, a pile of coins on your desk. And then every time you complete a task, you could take a coin off the desk and put it into a jar and reward yourself financially for it. Yeah, I don't. I you know what I'd end up doing? I'd be like, that job is worth way more than that coin. <laughs> I'm taking that whole freaking yeah. pile <laughs> exactly. of coins and putting it straight into the jar, yeah. and that's going straight to the bank. Maybe I should put like a bank, like a little, like a checkbook on the desk. I just write myself checks for doing oh. things. That'd be good fun. Now you're going off on another tangent. We haven't even hit the topic for today. No. Where have you heard of that motivating factor whereby you write yourself a check? Never. And it comes well. So, so it'll be on YouTube for say Jim Carrey. He years ago wrote himself a check for a million dollars, maybe it was more, and he wrote it out as services to the uh, you know comic industry or something like oh, that. Oh yes, yes. And with that, it came true. And I think he actually put that check inside the coffin of. He's either mother or father or something like that. Yeah. There's more details around this story that I'm 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 missing out. But it it came true. Um, I've heard another one where they wrote a check. I think this was the Savage Garden guys wrote it. He did the same thing, wrote a check, services to the music industry, and it got lost and fell down a wardrobe or something and he was cleaning out his room one day, probably moving house into his mansion, and he found it and realised that that had come true also. I feel like in the photography industry though, you'd have to like – you just have to write an IOU because even if you make it in the photography industry, it's kind of like, <laughs> where's my million dollars? <laughs> have, you heard, have, you heard, um, have you heard that saying? I know I've heard Peter Eastway say this before because uh, he's the father of bad jokes by saying, um, how do you make a million dollars in photography? Start with two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have to start with five. Oh, 100%. I've heard that with wineries. That's always the... Uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that and horses. Mm-hmm. Like how many people who want to, oh, like I'm going to buy a syndicate what about, and, and buy a racehorse and you just go, oh, my God, like there goes your money. What about Louise Sedgman? She does photography and horses. I mean, come Crazy. on. Crazy woman. Yep. Yeah, yep. she would have absolutely no money. Yeah, well, I think yeah. this is the funny thing I think with, um, I guess, that whole idea of, I like that idea of you know saying like write yourself a check forward. I personally find that... Um, the, if I'm ever like demotivated about something, like, you know, sometimes you kind of, um, you know, especially in our industry, you know, you might book workshops well in ahead and stuff like that. And yep. it's easy, like at the time, you know, especially through Christmas when there's gift vouchers and stuff like that, I kind of go, woo, yeah, this is amazing. But then like come like February, I'm kind of, you forget that reward and now you've actually got to do the work, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> um, yes, I know exactly but, where you're coming from. Okay. Mind you, have you seen the stats on gift vouchers and their redemption um, 
Scott's redemption rate. Well, we let's not talk about that because I've got stats as well. And it's, it is, it's, 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 it's actually, crazy. you know what? I actually reduced my validity of my gift vouchers at one point yes. down to yep. six months yep. just so that people felt there was an urgency to use it as opposed to yes. if you give it like three years, which is a legal requirement now. Like people just go, oh, that's okay. I'll use it in three years' time. And, and they don't. They forget about just, it. Yeah, because no, they're totally lost. So. We used to send out gift vouchers for our uh, portrait studio and we used to give them two weeks. Yeah, we used to that, say you've got two weeks to register this, not not to use it, of yeah, course, yeah. but to register it. It arrived in the mail. Sometimes they would get less than two weeks, depending on when it arrived, and they that meant that they were thinking about it and then going, "Yeah, we're going to do this," or they were never going to do it. So therefore, it didn't matter whether we gave them two weeks, two months, or two years. Yeah, they just weren't going to be our customer. So that used to work reasonably well. I think the uptake rate was, you know, you know, twenty. 25 percent something like that so it wasn't too bad but um what i do now is if i if i ever get that demotivated feeling i go and like put some money into an account that's kind of like gift vouchers and then when i actually have a redemption i kind of pay myself with it i'm like hey like it's like a double <laughs> reward it's kind of yeah <laughs> you're double dipping there mate you're double dipping double dip- yeah. well at least uh, yeah i mean you just gotta make sure that on your um you're getting paid your for it software, and then you're paying yourself again exactly yeah, right. to make sure the accounting yeah. software doesn't double count that otherwise um, double entry no no yeah no, no, no that's not no. good that's not good no. Oh, speaking of which, this is a laugh. Mary will love me for saying this. I hope it's not about counting. double entry. That's what you just It is, it is, it is. Ent- okay, it is, okay. it is. This is not going to get weird, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's totally innocent. Mary, as you know, my partner is has a great singing voice. Incredible. Unbelievable, right? Not classically trained, no formal training whatsoever. She's just got this natural gift to be able to sing. Sing the house down. I'm surprised you can't hear her now. And then uh, she was an accountant. She worked in an accounting firm and they wrote her in one day to form a band. It was one of these big firms, right? So they had lots of employees and they said, we're going to form a band, just something really cash. You know, we could play at the Christmas party, stuff like that. And they called themselves Double Entry. Wow. <laughs> Can you believe that? Look, I, for those who are a bit lost with us, that's fine. I am too. Don't worry about it. We had I was um, in a band once that which I don't play. I used to play guitar for like six months and was really crap I at can it. See you playing guitar. Had yeah, some friends it. who also were pretty average, except we had one amazing friend who was a drummer, like an amazing drummer. And we used to go down to a place called Bajas. You probably know Bajas down in Rye. Right. Um, it's a Mexican restaurant. But it, it, before it became yeah. the bigger one that it is now, it used to be in this very quaint little place. And they had a Sunday, a Saturday night band. And after um, we'd be diving for the day, we would go and um, we would go and, and have dinner there, and everyone would just get completely, you know, off their head and get just watch this band. Yes. Anyway, one night the band didn't turn up, and we were like, you know what? Screw it. We could play. So we made up a band on the spot. We were rubbish, absolutely, but we had a good fun. Well, we did because we were really drunk, but um, we were the <laughs> Steedy Wee you thought, Dragons. You thought you were amazing, the Steedy <laughs> Wee Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to the weedy sea dragons down there so um we that was pretty cool we've got a bit of a bit of a video of us playing um all oh, looking wow. at us, each other clueless kind of trying to work out are we all playing the same song or not yeah oh god i hope that makes it to youtube one day yeah i don't know that it will <laughs> very funny i was about to go off on a different tangent again oh do you know what instrument i played at school oh, i'm guessing it was the flute no, close. I was the alto saxophone. Oh, I played sax. I was tenor, yeah, really? tenor though, yeah. Really? I, I love the sax. Or something. <laughs> I should. You're much bigger, Matt, than me. Um, that, that's something that I wish I, sh- I 
continued on with. Can you imagine 20 years down the track, 25 years down the track, how good I'd be if I'd kept that up? You know what, though? You would suit the sax because it's a very loud instrument. You can't yeah, practice it quietly. You can't just sit there and it. quietly jam away on the sax. No, it's kind of like no, you have to be the neighborhood yeah, loud. Well, I, you know what? Funnily enough, um, years, years after leaving school and not continuing with saxophone at all, I kind of beat myself up about it and thought, I re- really, one day when I get a bit of money, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy myself another saxophone. So right. I did, and I bought it off eBay or something else. And it's, it's a rubbish saxophone. God, God knows if it still works. It's pink. It is. That doesn't pink. surprise me at all. That it that part of the story, brilliant. I'm like, oh, I would have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. And in fact, pre-COVID, I'd caught in contact with a private tutor here on the Mornington Peninsula and we were just about to start lessons once a week so I could cool. learn again because I've not even got any idea how to blow the thing let alone what notes to play I used to be able to read music do all the rest of it oh you just got to go with totally the feel. saxophone you don't need music you just got to go with the feel don't you that's <laughs> just improvisation jazz, jazz man like just, yeah just Rob, it's like a it's like a scene out of St Elmo's Fire with Rob Lowe just playing in the you know, the smoky bar and just blowing his ass off. Oh, in worst case scenario, all you do is just walk around with it around your neck looking cool. That's this is it. Or, no, no, Matt, better still, you have the cord around your neck, you know, those cords yeah. to hold the, you know, that you hook on and you just hold the saxophone in one hand and just let it drape by your side. Yeah, just with your thumb, your thumb way. kind of gripping Very cool. It, kind of, yeah. That's it. That's it, man. Well, this yeah, kind of brings yeah, no, the- this sort of brings <laughs> us on to the topic today, though, doesn't it? Because what we were going to talk about Does before it? we okay. got completely yeah, on a tangent was was we were <laughs> going to say again. all these new things that we all these things we're talking about trying. You know, I tried to be in a band; I was pretty crap at it. Um, you've tried to get back into saxophone, but I want to know what genre of photography or what type or style, maybe I don't know if genre is the right word because genre is kind of maybe too broad. But what in photography do you wish that you would have given a bigger or better crack at? Yeah. I've got one. I've got one for you. I thought long and hard about and this. Selfie, and selfies ass- is not a thing. <laughs> my smart ass answer was boudoir. But um, no, I was thinking wedding photography. I, I, I would have been an excellent wedding photographer. And, and the reason being is that um, I like creating pretty pictures. I'm good with people. And I have photographed a few weddings, but, uh, you know, wasn't that great. And I, I needed more practice. But um, I ran my own portrait studio for 11 years photographing people. So I figure that I've, I've got that skill down pat. So I know wedding photography, though, is a huge challenge. I have enormous respect for anyone who um, photographs a wedding and does it well, just like Anne Scott Virtue, who we had on, um, on the Bright Festival of Photography on the weekend. And if you want to see her website, it's White Shutter Photography. Look her up. I was really admiring her work because I sat in on her workshop on the weekend. And you've got to be so skilled at doing that. I mean, you've got to be, A, you've got to have, you know, fitness and sustainability to be able to last the whole day. You've got to be great with people and manage people and, and expectations, et cetera, um, dramas that might go wrong, put out spot fires, all the rest of it. But then the photography alone is not just portraiture. It's a whole lot of stuff because – you're photographing, you know, the detail in a dress or the detail in the rings. So yeah, that's like close up macro stuff, almost still life stuff, um, landscape, because you've got them in a landscape, you've got the portrait stuff and everything else. It's, it's photojournalism, it's Marbo, it's the vibe, it's <coughs> bloody everything. I think the hardest <laughs> part of wedding photography is that you have to really pretend that you care about their wedding. 
Oh, that's rude. No, but like that's an insult to those who do it very well, Matt. No, Come that's on. true. Those no, but that's what. No, but that's what I'm saying. Though, love is photographing that, weddings. I'm, that's what, that's sort of what I'm saying. Though is you have to actually really love weddings. I think as well. Yeah. Because I did some wedding photography. Oh, you have to believe in the whole yeah, exactly. idea of marriage, maybe. But it's like, I, so I did I did weddings for a few years, and um, not not as a definitely not as a full time thing, but just kind of like when they cropped up, when it was word of mouth and stuff. I never advertised it out, and don't get me wrong, I didn't hate it. I, but I would sort of, you'd rock up and like the ones where I knew people, so ones that were like friends from school or people I knew yeah. from school and stuff, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, got to catch up That's with people and stuff. That's good fun. But I yeah. did a few weddings where I didn't know anyone and I tell you what, it is just so exhausting kind of being like, yeah, they do look great. Yeah, it is so good. And I'm just thinking to myself like, they do look great. This is great for them. But yeah, I have no yeah, connection to this at all. Me. Like I just really yeah. don't kind of know. Yeah. Like, okay, not, not saying weddings are bad. I just... I feel like to be a really good wedding photographer, you you just have to really slow down and actually invest in the fact that I really care about what's going on today, not just I'm going to do a good job photographing it. And and I, that's really difficult, I think, is photographing something mm. if you're not completely and utterly into it. I, I think that's um, so true. And I think the greatest travesty is those wedding photographers out there, and I'm going to have a little swipe at them now, who photograph weddings just because it's a job. Yeah. Just because that was me. it's it's putting money on the t- food on the table. It's putting money in their bank account, and they really couldn't give a rat's toss whether or not they do a good job or not. Oh, that wasn't or, me. Or about the or about <laughs> the couple, because because um, and I'm generalising and I'm, I'm just a little bit pretty broad brushstrokes there. <laughs> but there are some of them out there, you know, right? And and I think that's a gross injustice to the to the industry because and to the to the couple because they're trusting you so much in order to capture the right moments on the day. Mm. But also, too, you have unparalleled access. Like, you know, the wedding photographer gets to see and hear about everything. I mean, months before they can hear about the fact that the bride's pregnant and that she might, he or she, the wedding photographer, might be the first to know about it. You know, the groom might not even know. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you'd, you'd like, like to think that he knows. Otherwise, there's going to be major, major problems. <laughs> well, it might have been a little bit. We find out eventually. But, you know, in the meantime... <laughs> You know, she might be calling saying, hey, I'm going to be uh, showing a little. Can you make me, you know, look fabulous? I don't know how I'd deal with that. I think if they said, you know, I'm going to be showing a little, can you make sure you're hiding the photos? I'd be like, you know what? Probably not. So, yeah, I'm taking I'm this, this wedding. <laughs> I know, and right. You can see it right now. Yeah. The feedback's going to be terrible. And Charlie what Brown's always trying to work out. He's already trying to work out, how would I Photoshop those legs a bit thinner? <laughs> <laughs> That's an in-joke for anybody who was uh, part of the festivities on the weekend. But, um I think what, where I'm trying to, how I'm going to try and rescue this is, for example, I run photography workshops, as you know, as you do, mate. And years ago, I was the second person that found out that one of our participants had cancer. In fact, she had breast cancer. She, her husband obviously knew, but her family didn't know. She'd booked in on this workshop and she was like, oh my God, that's not going to happen. I'm going to be in rehab, you know, chemotherapy by that stage. So I better ring Tom and tell him that, hey, this is what's going on. And, I, you know, it was it was terrible time for her. And uh, thankfully, she uh, recovered well enough to be able to come on a future workshop with us. And the story is fabulous because she's she's um, fully recovered in remission, all the rest of it. So she's all well and good. But um, that was pretty harrowing, um, you know, mm-hmm. to receive that call, you know, more so for her, the fact that she was dealing with having cancer. But, but- you know, you are, can be at the the forefront of those sorts of things when um, the shit goes down. Yeah, I think photography can be a very personal thing like that. 
you know, like it's, it's, I mean, I mean, obviously that one's to do with, you know, workshops and things like that, but you're right with, with weddings as well. It's like, you are, you are on that inner, you, you are temporarily brought into an inner circle you would never be a part of because of Otherwise, the role you've got to play. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah, right. So wedding photography. What about you, young Matthew? That's a really good question. Cause I do. <laughs> Funny you ask, given that you brought up the topic. No, well, this is the thing is I brought the topic because I thought it was a really clever topic. And then I realized I didn't have a very good answer for it. Um, well, it's not a matter of right or wrong answer, is it? It's more like, what, what would you well, have, it's pretty crap you dabble answers. in? You... The problem is I dabble <laughs> in everything. I don't really do anything particularly well. I just do a bit of everything. So No, um, I saw your um, wildlife presentation on the weekend at BFOP and that was amazing. I didn't, hadn't seen a lot of your work, to be honest. Uh, and so to see that uh, string in your bow, that was fantastic. Thank you well, for showing It did take that. me 15 years to get those three photos, but... Um, the, uh... <laughs> yeah, you didn't get iStock.com.au exactly. or, you know, like, come on. It's amazing because in Natchez, you can't just right-click and download those pictures. No, um, this is it. Yeah, you got to do all sorts of things. No, I don't know. I think I, I... So I have dabbled in... I don't know that there's a lot I haven't dabbled in, Um Oh, this is going down an awkward path. Yeah, well. <laughs> We're still talking about photography, are we? Generally. Um, no, but come on. To, for those who perhaps don't know your work, I would, in, so I would including say, me, what have you done? You've done a little bit of so I do, I do call, wildlife. I do wild, wildlife's kind of the thing that I would say that I, you know, where the passion, passion is, so wildlife yeah. and underwater. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you could make money out of that and nothing else, would you just do that? No, definitely not. Right, no, right. No. Okay. I think I get bored. Not bored, right. but like, you know, I kind of enjoy the challenge. I've learned so much from trying to do lots of different things that that I would in, implement into all my other styles. If that makes sense, like I kind of yeah. enjoy dabbling because it does. I think it makes you better on the whole, as we've talked about before. But I would have to say, you were saying that the boudoir photo as a joke or as a piss take, but the Here we re- go. No, the Here reason we go. I say that is not because it's <laughs> creepy and new. I mean. No, no, no. You're not old enough to be a dirty old man yet. Exactly. Mate. That's the whole thing, isn't it? Like if, if we had... Another 20 years. Yeah. yeah. To me, I think that that style of photography, um, when it's done really, really well, so not talking about, you know, I always talk about the difference between boudoir photos and porn is the, the use of shadows. Um, <laughs> so... I, <laughs> what are you trying to say? They don't do shadows very no, well. No, they do. Porn. Yeah, well, not very well. No, generally not. not the, the idea is more like that that kind of on-camera flash, you know. <laughs> but They're not backwards and coming forwards, are they? So I've been told, so I've been told. But the thing is, so I have actually done some some model photography before, which was, um, it was clothed model photography, well, like scantily clothed, but not in like a sexual way. Um, right. And I actually really enjoyed the, um, from a lighting perspective, I thought it was such an interesting challenge to try and use light to, um to create shape in a person because people are generally not very, you know, nicely shaped, <laughs> you know, like mo- even if you're really hey, fit, no, but even if you're really right. fit, people's like expectations of what a body looks like is usually yeah. very different because everyone's let got a quirk. It, let, let me put it this way. Generally speaking, most people aren't happy with their bodies. Well, is yeah. that what you're trying to say? Well, I'll, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not thrilled with them either, but. <laughs> I'm throwing you. I'm throwing <laughs> I'm throwing you the uh, the lifeline, yeah, mate. Yeah. You're not really grabbing no, hold of it. No, so, but I think that to me, like the 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 use of, I think you know, like you can talk about studio lighting from a portraiture perspective, and you know, a face is you know, a lot the faces are all different and stuff like that. But you could also, I'd argue, I guess that portraiture lighting has a certain amount of set techniques because a face or a head shape is generally red, relatively sort of similar. Yes, and I think that fashion photography 
the showpiece of fashion photography is the fashion. So yes, you can light it beautifully and it's a very hard thing to do, but when, when the, the photo is taken, what you've done is you've taken still a photograph of somebody else's artwork, almost like the fashion is artwork. Yeah. Whereas I think with, with sort of boudoir photos or even just like taste, I'm going to call them tasteful nudes maybe instead. Um, Cause it's not about like, is there such a thing? Is that, isn't that an oxymoron? Wow, tasty nudes or tasteful nudes? <laughs> like, like beautiful black and whites where you have, you know, nothing but a the, a person who is, you know, arguably not a piece of artwork um, that's been lit in a way that makes it look almost kind of that uh, contrasty, abstracty sort of, yeah, I, I think that that it's got such a skill to it and I see so many people doing it really, really amazingly well but then there's also this huge portion of that, that kind of do it because it's like <laughs> boobies and, and it's yeah. just um, I think that that would be a really interesting thing if you had the right conditions to to yeah. experiment with. I think that would be very, very gratifying to get an amazing shot because the, the subject matter is not necessarily what makes that photo. It's actually the photographer, there's so much skill involved. Right. It's like, it's like yeah. your thing with sunsets, isn't it? Like you, if you take a sunset photo... You might take an amazing sunset photo, but it's because the sunset was bloody amazing. The photo was pretty amazing. That's good also, yeah. So whereas I think that when it comes to people, model shots and stuff like that, usually it's, well, the model's really particularly attractive or something, whereas what I'm kind of talking about is more those, um, you know, black and white, fine art, abstracty shots where it's like really you sort of work with something and you make this incredible piece of art out of it. Right. It's like, it's like photography sculpture. Like yeah, okay. Play sculpture with bodies and stuff. Well, if you jump onto mattsboudoirsessions.com.au, you can book yourself uh, a session. No, 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 Tom, they're the ones, ladies. they're the photos of me. Don't go to that website. <laughs> ladies, and, ladies and gents. <laughs> no, that's not the thing. discriminate. I think that's you the guys, joy of girls, it. whatever you like. I actually, it was so funny. Yeah. I got a really funny story about that, actually. And this is beef op related. I'm not going to put anyone's name to this, but we actually did at, some, right. at one point have someone yeah. offer to do a boudoir photo shoot right. um as one of the workshops for bfop they were going to be the instructors yes yeah and yes, we right. said okay. um we said that's fine that'd be actually be really amazing i think there'd be a lot of people interested in that um it was a same sort of thing like black and white very you know it, it was the right sort of vibe um and right. we said that's fine the only stipulation is that it has to have um a male and a female model you know you have to do oh. in the same session you have to have both models yep Oh, well, did we ever hear back from that person? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. um, it is like I think, you know, the, the idea of it is you're actually capturing the human form. It's not about yes. capturing one or the other. It's like both genders have got very, very different shapes, but that doesn't like the, the skill and the art in that is, is it should be identical, I think. But it was yep. so funny how quickly that they retreated from that idea. It was like, no, let's not do that anymore. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You know, I was going to put my hand up to be the model too. Oh, so and that's probably that, maybe that's why they retreated. That's probably from it. why you didn't hear from them again. Oh, the model? No, Tom's already put his hand up. Okay, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Just with the just with the pink feather boa just draped over the important bits. Oh, so you are going for the tasteful one then? <laughs> this is it. Just one this one feather it. down there. That's it. Just the one tiny feather to hide the, the, all the bits and pieces. And I reckon the other um, the other style that I wish that um that I really got into, um, I'd have to say would be like a form of landscape. So it's um the under over shots for underwater photography, where you do half the shots underwater and then yep. the other half over. And I have done a bit of it in the past. I was going to say, haven't you I, done that yourself? I have done a little bit of it, but it requires some very specialized gear and yep. um. 
the people who do it really, really, really bloody well, they don't do underwater photography and above at the same time. It's like this is a very right. specific sort of right. yeah thing. So, um, and some of the shots that you see, I just I think are just incredible. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, would love to have done more. And I still, you know, I guess when I say would have, I guess yeah. Well, it's not like yeah. that we can never do that again. But um, yeah, that's uh, that. They've got to be my I two. I, I think uh, you're talking about oh, I still can, and you know maybe that's something you do in years to come. I got into photography through my love of birds and ornithology and uh, I I sort of fell out of that genre of photography when I got my dream equipment, which, you know, when I started off in photography and loving birds and wildlife, I wanted the big kick-ass lens. Oh, yeah. And I was just dreaming of that day that I had it because then I'd be able to get all the beautiful bird photographs that I wanted. And you can put and it in the I background up... of your Zoom sessions. <laughs> this is it. That's it, yeah, like some others do. Um, and then I could, and then when I got that lens and left my sports photography job and still had the lens, I never used it for that wildlife stuff because I'd sort of fallen out of love with it. But then in, I think in my retirement years, if that's ever a case, I think I would love to pick that back up again because I love the idea, like you're saying with the, um, with the underwater, overwater stuff, I have a particular passion for photographing in wetlands using a movable, a floating hide, a floatable, oh, a moving floatable yeah. hide where you can stalk the birds, you know, early morning, late afternoon, get in quite close and be at the water level almost. Have you, so you're at lie level. Have you seen the dude with and, the swan suit? No. So it's actually, it's, so it's the same thing. It's, it's like a, it's basically this, like it looks like an inflatable, inflatable swan um, from, from Kmart, except slightly right. more realistic, but it's got a hole in the front of it. And essentially you go underneath it into the life ring part Yes, and you, yes. you bob around, and you can actually go in amongst the birds because the, they've got a sh- like a shooting hole through. The, you almost look like one of those product photography tents with a with swan right, head yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. All oh, right. Okay. I'm going to buy you no. one. I'm going to buy you one. Tom. I'm going to ship Matt. it to you. You're yeah. so generous like that. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I'd love to do that one day. Um, I think that would be fun just to do on the side. I don't know whether there's any money involved. I don't think there is. No. If, I think that Why? that's like opening a winery or buying a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to make money out of landscape photography. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think that's a really Jeez, interesting topic. Actually, that we we should address at some point in um in in Another our podcast. ramblings. Yeah, is about yes. Not not saying not a podcast about how to make money in photography because I think we could talk for a long time about that. But I think um and get nowhere. Yeah, get nowhere because I think <laughs> no, but the thing is I don't. It's like anything, isn't it? You, if you're good enough at something, you can probably turn it into something. But everyone's got different expectations. Everyone's got different outcomes. But what I would be a really good conversation would be is is maybe looking at um, I guess the the common misconceptions, the genre, the hurdles in certain genres, the things that maybe people don't consider. I hear a lot of people talk about wanting to be a landscape photographer and make money out of it, and it's obviously can be done. Like after all, we are sitting here on a podcast, you know, talking about it, and you've got the gallery and all this sort of stuff. But for the vast majority of people, the way that you go about doing that is probably not selling stock foot stock photos and stuff. So. I, no. I think it'd be an interesting topic for another day. But um, I do have one quick question I want to pop in though because we've only got like five minutes. six minutes, five minutes left. Jeesh. Yeah. Okay. Time you flies me- when you're having fun. You mentioned before about this uh, this lens that you bought and, you know, stuff. And we always do talk a bit of gear, but I've been inspired after BFOP to go and pick up a few little bits and pieces myself. And I want to know what is next on Tom Potts' shopping list in terms of equipment? Like the aspiration wow. list, not doesn't have to be like I'm doing it tomorrow, but like what is the, if I, if you had like the, here's the next things I'm going to buy 
what would your next like one or two items on that be that are photography related? Obviously, you, you need corn, <laughs> cornflakes and toilet paper, them. but um. <laughs> you see, I'm I'm that's that's not a really um, I'm not the best one to answer that because I I sort of. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, like, you know, how long ago did you sort of stop having that gear envy type yeah. deal? And and there's nothing that I need other than probably a wide angle lens for my medium format camera, which costs about five grand. Well, there's a good answer. <laughs> there you go. That's that's probably the one thing that if if uh, how wide? landed in my lap. Well, it's a equivalent of about a 20 mil. So it's not overly wide, but the, at the moment, the widest I've got is 28. So I really, really? miss that really wide. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. The, the wide angle lenses that they make for that Pentax 645Z, um, they're the modern lenses and they're hideously expensive. Would, so, would you ever buy um, that that Fuji G50 or whatever? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's got the same sensor in it than the that the Pentax has, but then the, the the of course it's mirrorless and the the graphics on the back and everything else and what you can do with it is 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 much better than the Pentax, but in essence they take the same or similar photo because of the sensor uh-huh. being the same. I didn't know Cam. However, I didn't know Cam had one of those. I was watching his thing because I'm yeah. doing other recordings, and I thought he was yeah, an Olympus yeah, yeah. dude. And then he pulls out this freaking Fuji thing. I'm like, whoa, okay, buddy, calm down. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, nice, nice bit of gear, that's for sure. But you know, to be honest, I love using it, and I would say that, um, I'd say that you know. Um, it's motivated me and, and made me a better photographer, which sounds unusual because most of the time, you know, people don't need to upskill their, their equipment. They need to probably upskill their photography skills. Yeah. But, um, you hear that, Cam? You know, they think, they, <laughs> yeah, Cam. Yeah. Um, you know, they think to themselves that if they buy a better camera, they'll be a better photographer. I think there comes a stage where, you know, your skills are 80% there and you might be inhibited by your gear. But I, that new camera for me actually, motivated me to get out and shoot more it still does yeah um but but then um you know i've i've put into the gallery one of those files 150 centimeters by 120 centimeters a landscape image and coincidentally put a nikon d800 photo next to it love that camera and and not thought twice about it until one day i was lying in bed thinking I don't know that that shot was taken with the Pentax. After all, you know, I th- just presume most of mine were, were recent photos, so they were with the Pentax. And then I realised it was with the D800, went into the gallery next day and stood side by side and just went, yeah, you'd be keen eye to see the difference between the two at that size. And that size isn't small either. That's 150 oh. centimetres wide, right? Um, you know, going up to two metres or more, obviously it would uh, the difference between the two would be greater. But um, The irony you know, as well is that you've got a... 36 good, megapixel camera, you know? The, the, the irony is... Well, the irony is that you, you would never, in a real-world scenario, get to compare them next to each other anyway because, you know, um, if you were to buy a piece of art, you don't put it on your wall next to another piece of art and go, hmm. Now, the technical difference is, like, if they're different subject matter, there's so many variables that could go into the differences that doesn't yeah yeah this was a unique comparison because i did it by accident and i'd used the same process of editing and upscaling them to get to that size so therefore it was a fair comparison between the two obviously different images but then this um and different lenses and different cameras of course but at the end of the day the um, upsizing process and the printing process was the same so therefore it was it was the variables were sort of uh, minimized and you could only see a slight difference, to be honest. Hmm. But there then again, you, you know that 
What about you, Matt? What's your uh, next purchase? I have two little fun ones that I'm buying. So, And I've actually, well, I'm just getting a price on it at the moment. So I'm going to finally, after years and years and years, I'm buying a vertical grip for my D850. All <laughs> right. Okay. Most Unreal. ridiculous. Yes. Why the hell haven't I bought that in the past? Because um, I look yep. at all my vertical shots and they're all a little bit crooked because I don't like holding my camera for too long. And so right. they're all a bit off. Um, and I find I just generally don't shoot portrait orientation almost ever because I feel like a fool holding my camera. So I'm buying a D850 vertical grip, which I'm very excited about, um, and a new battery system. And I actually just tossed out my next purchase today, the next one that I was going to buy, which was going to be a Mavic 2 drone. How do you mean tossed out? Well, tossed it off my to-do list. It's gone. Why? Disappeared. Canned. Why is that? Um. I have been, like, I used to have a drone and um, I really enjoyed flying it on the very odd occasion that I actually pulled it out. Um, but what I've sort of, for me at least, um, the places I would want to take shots, you're technically not, well, not technically, you're not allowed to shoot there. Um, so we spend a lot of times on our travels. We, we are actually in the process of sort of looking at doing quite an extended trip away and... Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, most of the places I want to go, you're not actually allowed to fly drones. And so as much as I'd love to have that angle, I'd love to use it for some of the video content and everything. I'm nervous, very nervous that by buying one, um, I'm just going to have a, a toy that sits there and I, I go, oh, I'm going to shoot here. Oh, I can't. And and I've actually been pulled up before. Even, I know you can't, like a lot of people just kind of do anyway. I've actually been yes. pulled up before um, because it's a commercial account that I run on like Instagram uh, and I'm not even popular on Instagram, but I happen to get pulled up a couple of times from national parks organizations, giving me a bit of a hard time about um, licensing of, of yep. areas and stuff. And I just sort of think, you know what, I know what's going to happen. I'm just going to be tempted to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And then I'm just going to be like, this is a ridiculous purchase. Well, there is, I, I hear what you're saying. And it is so prohibitive where you can fly drones these days, but you could of course get yourself the right licenses and get the right permits in order to be able to do that wherever you go. Definitely. But the thing is the permits though, from my understanding, and this might be something I could take offline, but my understanding is the permits are very specific. Like I'm going to take off at like 1 p.m. Oh, in yeah, this yeah. park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your flight path? And yeah, and it's like, it's to be honest, I don't know. I'm going to get to a spot and be like, holy crap, this is really awesome. I need to lodge a flight path. Oh, no, I can't be bothered. I'm, you know, keep yeah. walking. So yeah, 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 it's probably something that we need to take offline or, or include in another yeah. podcast because um, we should maybe we, we should even get a guest um, guy to come on a mate of mine, Damien Bredberg, who uh, who's a professional drone pilot up in Queensland, um, would know all the ins and outs yeah. of it all. I don't know that we'd get through an episode without him dropping the f bomb or something else. Um, it's quite colourful his language, love him to death. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh. you know, I know Damien is pretty passionate about the whole subject and the whole topic. Yeah, but, you know, he for example. He won't mind me telling this story, and we are a bit over. He used to have a branded van just like me, and he used to his company's called the Drone Boys, and um, and he'd get um, people, other photographers, dobbing him in all the time for using drones in places where perhaps he was pushing the boundaries, yeah, because they were jealous of what he was doing, and he was getting a paid gig, and they weren't, and he was allowed to fly his drone in places that they weren't, and uh, they they'd dob him in whether he's doing the right thing or the wrong thing, yeah. 
And in the end, what he ended up doing was um, getting rid of his van altogether and having it non-branded, and he's never had a problem since. Oh, that's a really regardless. That's a whole isn't that, that's a whole just, podcast episode because <laughs> I get that when we when we're in um, uh, sometimes in parks and things like that. Um, I find mm. like you know I'll be I've got licensing for all my workshops and all that sort of stuff, but you know I I wouldn't get a license to go and take promo shots for a workshop in a national park. It's just it's not expensive it's just the process and the planning ahead it's just not feasible to do so my license as a operate tour operator kind of covers it enough that i think i'm like yeah cool i pay my fees and i do my bits but i i find the same thing the moment i've got my branded car and i turn up next thing i know there's someone knocking on my window what's all this about and then for some reason all of a sudden people are not very pleasant to you when you've got a branded car um I find. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You reckon you've got your logo just on the side? On oh, the it's door, just on the you? side, but it's a, it's when I get pulled up by authorities. Um, the immediate yes. assumption is that I must be one of those, you know, jerks ruining everything for everyone, doing everything wrong. When in actual fact, oh, I'm yeah, meant to right. be there and everything's fine. So, yeah. Right. But anyway, that might be another another topic for another day. Wow, we could keep going, couldn't we? Yeah, I've got to go off and get a... start taking some some very well lit naked selfies to start my career as uh, the the <laughs> undone you need, photo photos. You need your you need your sample shots for the to start promoting it all. Yeah, that sounds great, definitely. Matt. Well, thanks for talking to us today about your. Uh, your next genre of photography or the one that you perhaps you missed out on. Maybe it'll come back one day. But that's been another uh, episode of I Matt love and that Tom's. You just screwed that bit up. You're like, another episode of what the fuck are we actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say that's been another podcast. Of course it has been. That's been, I was just Obviously. trying to find my words. <laughs> Not really found my words today, oh, I'm afraid. God. Sorry about that, guys. But this has been another fantastic episode of Matt and Tom's excellent podcast. Thanks for listening. Jump on the Facebook page. Give us your feedback. Let's hear about some more topics you'd like for us to ramble on about. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Bye-bye.